Hey guys, if you're listening to this right now, chances are you're suffering from a pretty severe football addiction or just a general clinical depression. And either way, this is the new low. This is rock bottom for you because you're listening to some podcast by a guy named Zandra Kellison who no one's ever heard of. But as long as you're here, as long as you've reached that rock bottom, I'm right here with you, man, because we're going to be talking about football in a way that might interest hardcore fans of the game, people who want to know more about all the teams in the league in a way that Skip Bayless or ESPN doesn't talk about. So strap in, because today we're going to talk to Blind Willie Johnson, who's a really great writer on NFL Reddit, who knows so much about the Carolina Panthers. And he was going to help us re-familiarize ourselves with the team and their offseason and what we might expect of this team going forward to kind of help us all understand a little bit more about the league and about this team in specific this episode. So buckle in. Pop in that Zoloft and, and let's go. Hi. Hey, what's up, man? Thanks so much for hopping on and talking with me. No problem. No problem. I'm always happy to talk about the Panthers. And, and that's why we called you today. I've been going around like most fans, like trying to understand all the teams that I'm not super familiar with and talking, trying to write it up myself. And I do these previews and I realize that like, I'm not a fan of each team. I'm not watching 16 games, all four quarters. So I wanted to talk to somebody like is known on Reddit, at least, for being an expert on the Carolina Panthers and trying to figure this team out. So I appreciate you talking with us. Well, I appreciate you having me. And I think the Panthers, for the average fan like myself, they're, they're one of the harder teams to figure out because... It's okay, they're one of the harder teams for the fans to figure out. <laughs> yeah, and it's like the core has been in place. If you think the core is Cam Newton and Ron Rivera. But then every year, it seems like they're up and down. 15-1 and one to 6-10 and 10 to 11-5 and five last year. So I want to talk about what's different this year on the fringes, because there's a lot of it, as you know. Talk about the coaching staff, talk about the offense, talk about the defense, and then try at the end of this to figure out what this version of the Carolina Panthers is going to be like. So let's first talk about the offensive end. Cam, let's talk about the coaching staff, because Cam Newton's coming off that MVP year, has had now you know, two sort of disappointing years in your mind? Would you say that's part of the reason that the coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball is out? Yeah. Um, you know, Cam's been kind of up and down. He was kind of up and down last year. Like, he had moments where he looked absolutely brilliant, and he had moments where he looked just terrible. Um, he was mostly on the terrible side the year before that. And I guess at the end of the last season, you know, Rivera came out and said, we're not making any changes. About three days later, he fired Shula anyway. Uh, and Mike Shula had been our offensive coordinator. I mean, I think we just decided that there was too much that we were trying to do that wasn't working. Thought he found a successful form for fifteen, and then he just kept trying to do it, even though our personnel set really wasn't suited to it anymore. Well, and it is amazing to that end. Like, after that MVP season, you know, 35 touchdowns, his last two years have been his lowest completion percentage of his career, lowest yards per attempt, down to about 6.7. So 
So what do you think it was? Do you think it was just that it got stale and predictable or you think they were trying to do something that they weren't, as you said, the personnel wasn't capable of? Yeah, there's a couple of things that went wrong with the offense the last couple of years. Um, first of all, I think all of our offense kind of stems from the run game. And our run game had just been bad. Uh, part of that was that, you know, Jonathan Stewart was really just not the player he used to be uh, the last sure. couple of years. Uh, another part of it is just that, like, where there was no creativity in the run game at all. Um, you know, Brett Coleman did a wonderful video breakdown of, of why our run game hasn't been working lately, and I encourage everybody to go out and watch it. But essentially what it boils down to is, like, we were trying to run up the gut all the time. You know, hard up the middle power running was the staple of our run game and it just wasn't working. Uh, our line wasn't good enough to make it work. And we just doubled down on it instead of trying to do anything different. And that's especially inexcusable when you get a guy like McCaffrey in there who really isn't that guy to begin with and who has some really amazing skill sets that we just weren't utilizing. Uh, sure. So that was a huge part of our offense falling apart. And, you know, with Cam, you know, there's there's always like a bunch of different things going on. He's never going to be an accurate quarterback, a, a super accurate quarterback. Um, but we certainly weren't making things easier for him in 2016. Uh, in 2016, we tried to duplicate what we were doing in 2015, essentially, which is like it was passing offense that was predicated on deep shots. Uh, right. And we just we didn't have the weapons for it. Um well, I think that that to me is what jumps out at this offense. And what makes it so hard to be a run first team, pound them up the middle, is if you don't have that field stretcher on the outside. Yeah. And teams, it seems like opponents were just clogging the middle, expecting either Cam to run or Jonathan Stewart to run up the middle, and really not being scared of, at the time, Kelvin Benjamin started the year, Ugh. Devin Funches, two big bodied receivers, very almost similar types. And neither one of them is going to take you over the top. One of the most and, interesting uh, things that happened in our offense last year is after we traded Kelvin Benjamin, everything improved dramatically. Um, and I don't think – I've said this before to that end. Do you follow basketball at all? Do you watch – Not really, but I think I know where oh, you're okay. going with this. Yeah, I don't know if it's popular out there. But it's not a coincidence that the your, your team or your local team, the Charlotte Hornets, had their best year when Michael – kid Gilcrest, who's not a stretcher at all. He can't shoot threes, clogs the paint. He's injured randomly for a year. It seems like a terrible thing. Turns out that they have their best season in five years. So that same vein, I don't think it's a coincidence that when Kelvin Benjamin got hurt, Cam blew up and the team looked a lot more explosive. And so I, I think they were smart to get rid of him. I don't know what the local fan reaction. Do you think that that was the wise move last year to trade him? Absolutely. Um, at the time, it was really controversial. At the time, a lot of people were really, really angry that he was traded. I wasn't one of them because at that point at the season, I was just like, all right, whatever we're doing, it's not working. So if right. we're willing to take a shot and do something new, I'm fine with it. Um, we ended up getting a third rounder for Benjamin. The really important thing that we gained was diversified skill sets at wide receiver. So I think when you look at 2016 and you look at early 2017, what you start to notice is that we have on the outside two extremely similar receivers. They're large, they're slow, they're not very good at getting separation. In Kelvin Benjamin's case, he wasn't really good at anything by the time he left us. Um, but teams knew what they were getting with us. They would stack the boxes, wouldn't be able to run, 
Um, at the time, we didn't have Greg Olson here, which was just an enormous loss for us. Yeah. Uh, but teams weren't afraid of the two guys we put on the outside. They just double up, man cover those guys, and it became very, very difficult for us to get any kind of offense going. Kelvin Benjamin gets traded, and all of a sudden you see the run game improve dramatically. You see the pass game improve dramatically, and it's because we were able to get some of those guys. And, I mean, like, Demer Bird, uh, Curtis Samuel before he got hurt, um, you know, Kalen Clay, those are not world beaters, but they were able to stretch the field a little bit, and it changed things up a lot for us. Yeah, and I think that seems like the, the plan for this Carolina Panthers offense now, to replace Benjamin. You guys have Curtis Samuel from last year, a rookie that I don't know if casual fans saw much of last year. More of like um, at Ohio State, very fast kid, played a little running back, played a little receiver. I kind of liken him more to a Percy Harvin type player or Taylor Gabriel on Chicago. So I don't know if he's going to be an every down guy. And then you have a rookie this year. So tell me about this rookie that you guys drafted in the first round. So I'm going to take a step back before I do that real quick and just kind of say that like the approach that we're going to with our receiver skill set, I, w- I would say, you know, we're, we're very much trying to diversify again. You bring in a guy like Torrey Smith to be the vertical threat that Ted Ginn used to be. Um, you know, you've got Funchess out there doing his big guy routine. We're going to have Greg Olson back in the middle. I think when you look at a guy like DJ Moore, um, the, the plan when we drafted him, was that we needed somebody with a little more technical finesse. He's very good at running routes. Uh, he's a very smart route runner. He's good at reading the defense. He's excellent at getting yards after the catch, which is not a skill set we've had since we let Ted Ginn go. Um, and that's that's what he was brought in to do. And so, and I'm excited to see what, how he does because I think he's a little off the radar for, for most fans coming from Maryland. This is their first-round pick, D.J. Moore. And I, I don't know, it, those kind of guys, they could blow up. They're a little off the grid. You know, he's not playing at Alabama. I think, you know, skill-wise, physical skill set-wise, he's probably superior to somebody like Calvin Ridley, who had a lot more attention. And um, so I'm interested to see, what are the expectations for him? Because for me, in that offense with Carolina, I don't see him breaking out in a huge way right away. I was projecting him more about the 600, 700-yard level. Is there expectations higher than that? No, I actually think that's a pretty fair projection. Um, I'm, I'm expecting something like 700 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, when I think he's going to blow up is next year. Because I would, with the salary cap situation we have, I'd be very surprised if we actually re-signed Devin Funches. Um, Interesting. And I think that means that like, he's going to take over a lot of that role. Uh, and, and what's the feeling on Funches? Because this is a kid in Michigan. I think a lot of people projected him as a tight end. So you could see the overlap there with Kelvin Benjamin, two of the bigger receivers, physical guys. After Benjamin trade, I think a lot of people were projecting him to be that number one guy. Well, and he kind of was. Um, Like, he almost got to 1,000 yards for us last year, Uh, despite the fact that early in the season he was basically, like, we were feeding, we were force-feeding Kelvin. Um, I think uh, he is a guy who's got a ton of potential in this offense, and I, I think he's just a very talented receiver. Um, he's not going to wow you, but, you know, he's got his role, and he's really good at it. And I feel, I still think he is the go-to guy next year. Uh, he's the big-body possession type of receiver. Uh, you've got Torrey Smith stretching the field, DJ Moore in here and there. Um, but I, I definitely think he's still our featured receiver for this season. Well, and I think it's I think they're they're good additions and they're smart, solid 
additions. And like you said, somebody like Torrey Smith filling that Ted Ginn role, you don't expect him to come out there and crack a thousand yards. But if he can get two long catches a game and spread things up a little bit in the middle, that would be really helpful. And I think a lot of fantasy fans want to see that for Christian McCaffrey because they had those high expectations last year. Didn't really have the opportunity to shine in it. He had a lot of opportunities, but not a lot of opportunities to shine. And do you think that stretching the field and giving him a little more space to work with is going to lead to that breakout? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for CMC, uh, totally. I think I think Christian McCaffrey is going to have a monster season this year. I think he's going to be a lot more involved in our passing game. And I'm going to kind of go against the grain of like what people are traditionally thinking about us here. But I honestly think he's going to be our featured back. Well, what else is the other option? Because no Jonathan Stewart. I think I've heard people are projecting 20, 25 touches a game for McCaffrey. I mean, is yeah, there another option? That's a little fanciful, I think. But um, So we brought in C.J. Anderson from Denver. Oh, I totally forgot about C.J. Anderson. And I love C.J. He's okay. He's a terrific player. Uh, yeah. I have watched him really – because, I mean, my little brother is a Broncos fan. So, like, we watch football every Sunday – uh, he's every bit as active for the Broncos on Reddit as I am for the Panthers. Uh, <laughs> we'll get him on next time. But uh, I see a lot of CJ Anderson. I've seen him ball behind some really terrible offensive lines. Um, and I think he was a great addition for us, but I'm really kind of struggling to see other than like short yardage, kind of taking over some of our power situations and uh, you know, being a pass protecting running back, which he's very, very good at. Um, I don't really see much of a role for him. Um, so one, well, I, I would imagine they see him as Jonathan Stewart for maybe three or four years ago. You would like think that. that, but at the same time, like based on what we're hearing out of camp, uh, like a lot of the snaps are going to CMC right now. And I, I really think that, um, you know, Norv is going to introduce a few more kind of zone looks for us. They could potentially open some running lanes for McCaffrey. Um, but it, it definitely seems so far like they're going to make him the featured back. And that's well, and le- and we haven't talked about that yet. Let's talk about the coaching staff. You mentioned Mike Shula kind of wore out his welcome. The quarterback coach, Ken Dorsey, who I kind of thought was a little bit of a rising star, got dumped. I think he's now an athletic director somewhere in college. He kind of fell off the grid completely. And you bring in Norv Turner, who has more experience than anybody, started coaching in the 20s or something. And I, I think he's What's the reaction there? I mean, it's a, it's a safe pick in some ways, but it's also a conservative pick. Um, how do you guys feel about that? Uh, us guys feel kind of mixed about it. I personally like the choice. I think Norv, when you look at what Norv Turner does, you look at the fundamentals of the Norv Turner offense, and it's a really great match for our skill set. You know, you've got the big arm quarterback. Um, you've got a stout run game. You've got a good pass catching back in McCaffrey. You've got a really big receiver. You've got a deep threat receiver in Torrey Smith. You've got, you know, Greg, Greg Olson is the tight end that, that Norv loves to utilize. I, I think sure. we have a terrific personnel set for, you know, the Norv Turner system. Um, but a lot of people wanted something sexier. And Well, everyone wants to go young, you know, yeah. especially at offense. It seems like that the younger, the better. You want a guy in your 30s who's about to be the rising star. But I'll tell you, in, in the good sense, we're, I, I was talking about Matt LaFleur, who's the coordinator on Tennessee now. The, you know, he's one of these hot rising star kind of coaches. He's like 38. He's going to take over first time coordinating. And if he has a good year, he's gone. He's going to be a head coach somewhere. With somebody like a Norv Turner or a Wade Phillips on defense and with the Rams, you know, if they do well, they're going to be there for 
five years. They're not going anywhere. They've kind of aged out of that head coaching process. So in some ways, it could be a good thing to have a lieutenant who's there to take the realm for a long time. Yeah, and I think, you know, you look at a guy, and I think at some point we needed to make a change because Cam's development is clearly stagnating a little bit. Well, and, and Ken Dorsey was disappointing because he kind of fit the prototype of the young rising star. He's yeah, somebody he who had been a quarterback, obviously, and, and worked with quarterbacks in the draft. And he had sort of that growing QB guru rep to him. But clearly, he didn't even land another job. I don't know if that was his choice or he wanted to get out of the NFL. He, I just looked it up. He's the assistant athletic director at FIU. So I don't know if he's coming back. Yeah, I don't follow our exes so much, so I... I <laughs> you delete their number from their right. phone? <laughs> well, one thing that, that's going to be hard, if this Norv Turner is going to turn around, everything sounds good. You've, you've kind of sold me on this offense, except when I look at this offensive line. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Everything tell me about, about the offense. changes. For, for people who don't know, tell me what's different. Sure. The primary one that most people know is you had this pro bowler guard, Andrew Norrell, who sudden star. I don't think most people knew about him, but just graded so well and became a household name. And then as a result, got this huge contract and left. So how are you guys replacing him? Well, um, good question is like, we don't know how we're replacing him yet. I don't think um, there was supposed to be a really stout competition for that. Um, I, I should start by saying like, let's just do a quick diagnosis of the whole O-line. So sure. you've got Ryan Khalil at center. He's been the anchor of the line forever, but he also has been very unhealthy the last couple of years. Still a very good player if he's healthy. So you feel pretty good about your center if he can not get injured again. Um, the right side of the line was excellent. We've got Trey Turner uh, at right guard. He has been a pro bowler through like three of his first four seasons. Really excellent player. Uh, had a bit of a down year last year, but he was also playing through some injuries. Um, we had Daryl Williams at right tackle, who was very good last year. And then the left side, you know, you had Matt Khalil. He was like the lower end of serviceable. And then you had Norwell, and Norwell was phenomenal. Um, we felt was kind he, of, oh, Can sorry. I jump in? Because, you know, I think line play, and people on Reddit, we love to talk about guards and cornerbacks and safeties, but they're really hard to evaluate unless you're breaking down film. And so we do rely a lot on reputation and, and grades from PFF. And you would see Norwell as like top three center in the league. But I can't say I really watched him every play, every snap. So why as a fan, do you think he was legit oh, Pro yeah. Bowl top three guy? Norwell was an animal. Like he was just a mauler, man. He was, he was um, really, really big, but also very athletic, uh, extremely powerful. Like he could, he could boss around just about anybody who played opposite of him. Um, you know, the kind of guy that could command double teams. So what was the logic between not like franchising him? Was it more of the salary cap squeeze or just that's not valuing? Cap squeeze. So, you know, we had, um, we've got Khalil on a fairly big contract, both of them on pretty big contracts. Um, you've got, Daryl Williams, who was coming into his last season this year and who we knew we would need to extend. And we've already shelled out a big contract to Trey Turner, uh, who, again, has been very good for us. So Yeah, it almost like, felt like they picked him first and then kind of got boxed into a corner. Well, he was the draft pick. It kind of happens that way. Yeah. And, and I think a good contract. I mean, like you said, you know, he didn't have an excellent season, but still 
top, you know, whatever, 20 guard. I don't know, I ranking them, but he's he's somebody you could lock in and not worry about. Yeah, well, I mean, in like this was really the first year that Norwell outperformed Turner. They they both got pushed into starting as rookies in 2014. And they've been very, very good. Both of them have been excellent for us ever since. Um, but, you know, I and I get into this argument all the time on Reddit, like whether or not we should have let Andrew Norwell go. But here's the thing, you know, you've got – um, you've got a top three contract in you sold out a ton of money for Matt Khalil. Um, right, for better or worse, if we been, okay. had extended Daryl Williams at like the right tackle market rate and we had matched the Jaguars' offer and we kept the Turner contract in place, those three players alone would have been 20. 20- 21% of the 2018 salary. Wow. Yeah. And you just can't spend a fifth of your salary cap on the offensive line. It's not possible. Um, he got Norwell got a ridiculous offer. From him. He's going to earn every penny of it. I don't mean to say that they overpaid him, but at the end of the day, they paid him better than the top left tackle in the league was making. And we just couldn't match that. So, well, and also I, I'm not a huge fan of overspending on the offensive line. Defensive line, I like a little bit more. But at the same time, you saw with the Dolphins paying Namakam Sue. It's like you hurt your depth that way. And at the line, your depth becomes crucial. And that kind of brings us to Daryl Williams, the right tackle, who you said played really well. Yeah. Star for them. And he got injured this training camp. How serious is that injury? It's, um, it's not as bad as we thought. Because he went down with a non-contact. He had to get carted off. You see that, and you're like, oh, shit, there goes the season. Um, oh, sorry. I do that sometimes. No, it's okay. Don't worry. The three people listening are not offended. They're all great. <laughs> but, They're all degenerate you know, you know, weirdos who have nothing else going on. And your, yeah. your mind immediately goes to the worst-case scenario. It's like, oh, he's gone for the year. What are we going to do? Uh, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. It looks like he's going to be out for a couple of months, which definitely sucks. Um, but we do and these offense these offense alignment are such crazy warriors and who knows what they're taking they always end up coming back like a month earlier than you well, expect I, I get the feeling that when because i'm i'm the realism guy i i get the feeling that even when williams comes back he's not going to be anywhere close to 100 uh, percent. that's true especially that, at right tackle that's a tough position yeah um and, and the whole at left guard what what's going on here because i i have on the that's chart I see Jeremiah Searles, who would scare me if I'm if I'm playing quarterback behind him. Uh, I think he's a lot less scary than uh, Amini Silatolu is, and he's the guy that we've got slotted there right now. Okay, we'll see. Uh, it was like a, a lot of fans, including myself, kind of thought Taylor Moten was going to take the job, but now Taylor Moten's going to have to play right tackle. Uh, right, and Taylor Moten, for people who don't know, was I think around two pick last year pick from, from Western year, Michigan. Yeah. And a guy who had, like, you know, some rawness coming from a small school, but projected as a starting tackle, I think, at either side. So he, he would think that he, in year two, would be able to start and fill in capably at either spot. But your depth is definitely being tested there. Oh, absolutely. And here's the thing. Like, I, I was super confident about the offense going into this year. Even without Norwell, I was like, you know what? The right side of the line is still great. If we can get even serviceable play from the left side, we're going to be okay. Um, now with Williams gone, things are a little more up in the air. And I think North's system is a really great fit for us if the protection can hold up. And that's the big question, right? Now, is will it? I don't know. And then also you worry, I mean, Norv's a great coach, very experienced, but he can get conservative. So if he doesn't trust his line as much, are you going into more of a shell offense, not really taking those deeper shots? 
And I'm also curious to see how he uses McCaffrey, as you said, a potential breakout player, 1,100 yards last year in kind of an underwhelming season, could be a star. I think your offense is going to be okay. I'm actually a little more concerned about your depth on the defensive line. How do you feel about that coming another year, another year of age for these guys? They've been great historically, but it's, you know, can't last forever. Tricky. So defense is a little up and down. Um, we let uh, uh, Star Latula go, and I think that was a really great decision, especially since we brought in Dontari Poe, who, frankly, is only a year older than, than Star was. And has been. I would have guessed he's younger because Starla Tule, the solid run stuffer, but he played like he's 35 years old. He, he, yeah, he seems like the last couple of years of his career. He's, he's really taken a downhill, a downhill spiral the last couple of years. And I, I thought walking away from that contract that the Bills offered him was a good decision. Um, I agree. But on the outside, you have Julius Peppers, who's now 38. Well, Julius might not play this year. <laughs> oh, is he not going to play? He had 11 sacks well, last year, leading he's in the, on the team. He's not right coming now. back. Oh, is it okay? So he's my, so who's going to start on the, on the outside? So um, we've got some options on the outside. We actually have more than I think it was credit for. Uh, Mario Addison is still our starter, like still our our primary defensive end, and like everybody focused on um, the fact that Julius Peppers had 11 sacks last year, but so did Mario Addison. Like, and and very few people know who he is right now. Yeah. So that is definitely a name to know. He is I think he was a ridiculous camp right now, and I think he's a player that might be prime for even though he's already been a very consistent pass rusher for us. Uh, well, I think for all these people who aren't big first round names, it takes an extra year or two to really get on the radar of the average fan. Same with Norwell. I think people kind of knew about him, but by his second or third year being a pro bowler, suddenly he's the most famous one in the league. And so Addison can certainly do that. And Kawan Short's really good, of course, inside. Who else is there? I don't really know much about this depth right now. The, the other side of the line is going to be interesting to watch. Because we moved on from Charles Johnson, who was mostly useless last year. And it's, I mean, you got to understand that, like, when you talk about Julius Peppers, he was a bit player for us last year anyway. Um, he had, so I, I didn't look the numbers. What percentage of the snaps did he get, like, half of them or even less? Or I'm not sure kind of off of my head, but we definitely like kept that. a pitch count. Um, and he was going to be on a pitch count this year too. So, uh, like Charles Johnson was the, the, like the three down starter, if you will, last year. Um, I think Brian Cox Jr. is the guy that's going to replace him. But honestly, I think that side of the line, you're going to see a lot of rotation. So we got, we drafted Dave last year. He was, uh, uh, Miles Garrett's teammate. Um, yeah. At A&M. It was an A&M, right? Yeah, I yeah. Much ball. Um, so we had Deshaun Hall. Uh, he was banged up most of last year, but he's starting to get some more looks. Uh, you've got Brian Cox Jr., who's like a run-stopping specialist. Um, oh, come on. Oh, and we just drafted Marquise Hayes, who's uh, apparently having a I, really great camp. Yeah, I like him. He's from Mississippi, right? Yeah. There's some of those guys from Mississippi, you know, I think they were paying off kids to come there, but they have a lot of underrated defensive line talent that have kind of been better in the NFL than college. So I think he might fit that mold, but still, it's not a big name group. No, definitely not. It's definitely, we're, we have been for the last few years now, a team that has, we rely very heavily on our inside pass rush and that helps open up opportunities for the outside pass rush. So. Well, as a team, as a team, you guys had 50 sacks last year, and a lot of the credit seemed to go to the coordinator, Steve Wilkes, for bringing a lot of pressure. 
and he got snapped up for a job in Arizona. And how did you guys fill that little hole? I'm not in love with Steve Wilkes. Um, he was good at producing sacks, but unfortunately he did that uh, through some pretty reckless blitzing. Like he was a very, very uh, aggressive blitzer. And it really exposed our secondary, which frankly wasn't all that good to begin with. Um, it exposed it even further. So I I think got a lot of sacks last year and people were like, oh, it must be a really great really great front seven um but really we were kind of cheating a lot of those and yeah i have 50 sacks written down quarterback you guys allowed a 93 quarterback rating so it was getting sacks but people were able to when they got time were able to pick you apart a little bit right and that's exactly why i i'm okay with moving on from wilkes um i think mcdermott was a much bigger loss for us but well it it is amazing because ron rivera who you know was on the rocks for so long sean mcdermott leaves for a job Steve Wilkes leaves for a job and takes, you know, his Al Holcomb, who was the linebacker coach, left with him. So it's quite a brain drain. So, like, who is this guy who takes over their place? Eric Washington. Tell me about him and why I should be excited about him. I like Eric Washington a lot. Uh, Eric Washington is our, our defensive line coach. Uh, I don't really know. Like, I didn't really know a whole lot about his overall defensive philosophy. Like, obviously, he's done a really great job mentoring our defensive We've, we've had kind of a revolving door on the defensive line for a long time now, but he's always managed to get the most out of it. Really what you want to see in a positional coach. Um, now taking over the defense, I'm actually really impressed with some of the vision that he's showing because, you know, we have for years been a very one-trick defense. We get a lot of pressure up front. We play zone coverage. Uh, our linebackers either drop into coverage or, you know, run protect as needed. Um, and, you know, we use those guys, use the linebackers especially to kind of make up for the weaknesses of our defensive backs. Um, I think Washington is coming in with a bit of a new approach. It's still going to be fundamentally similar to what we've always done, but I definitely think you're going to see a lot more man coverage look uh, coming into this season, which is something and, like we've been fighting for. Can, can your secondary hold up for that? Because they didn't play last year, as you said. Is Mike Adams, the safety, still starting? Is, is he still around? As a strong safety, yeah. Um, three- He's 37. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, he was- you don't see a lot of safety 37. And he played okay last year, but, I mean, how long is that? He did and he didn't. Uh, he played very well through the first half of the year and was, like, clearly starting to run out of gas by the end of the year. Um, it's not an ideal situation at safety. And it, uh, we haven't had a good safety since the Clinton administration. <laughs> <laughs> we just, we just make do with less there. And it's, it is what it is. Um, you know, we brought in Galden for, to try to compete for the free safety spot. I think he's got a long way to go. Um, and you drafted two guys, cornerbacks. I don't really know. Just much the one. Uh, we just drafted one. Okay. Galden was projected by a cornerback as a lot of people. We draft okay. safety, and that's what he's going to do with us. Like he's, he's basically taking all of his snaps as a safety. Um, Dante Jackson from LSU. It almost the second round pick. Yeah, it almost looks like he's going to be the guy that takes our our CB two slot, which is interesting because he is definitely not the the prototypical Carolina cornerback that we've seen the last couple of years. Well, it wasn't a really – it was a pretty strong cornerback draft, but I didn't know much about Dante Jackson. And, you know, LSU is always chock full of talent. So I'm interested to see. If you're throwing him right into the starting lineup, though, you, you have to wonder because, you know, those rookie cornerbacks could really go one of two ways, and I'm sure he'll be tested a lot early on. Yeah. Um, 
at this point, like, I'd rather see the young talent than what we have. Like, I thought Ross Collins was a really great signing, but he's out for the year. So, right. That, the guy who played really well last year, according to advanced stats, came in, projected to start, and is now gone for the whole year, you're saying? Yeah. Um, Jackson was already kind of in the process of taking the number two role, even with him there. Uh, and it looked like Cockrell was going to be used a little more situationally. But, like, who's ahead of him now on the depth chart? Like, practically nobody. Yeah. Um, there is that kid we traded from Oh yeah, yeah. You traded the receiver. Um I forgot to. Yeah. But well, that's what you get for being in the secondary. No one really knows. More Worley? Is that Worley? No, Worley's the one we traded to Philly. Uh, okay. <laughs> An interesting situation at corner, because last year you kind of saw the same thing you saw a wide receiver for us, where you had two guys opposite of each other that were basically identical. Uh you had Worley and Bradbury who were both like six two-ish zone coverage bad at man coverage kind of slow and you know everybody who played us knew what they had in us you know with jackson at least you're getting a fresh look at corner well i'm bullish i'll tell you on eric washington like i you don't, these guys these defensive assistants are pretty anonymous and so i tend to watch as basic as it sounds like youtube interviews with them just to see how they come across how clear of communicators they are how smart they are because sometimes they're just bumped up the ladder, you know, next man up, and they're, they're kind of in over their heads. But Washington really seems like a smart guy, charismatic guy. I, I think he's definitely somebody who's going to be, if the defense plays well, which might be a stretch, he's definitely going to be a head coaching candidate sooner than later. Hey, he already um, was. I think he got interviews last year. Yeah, and he is he does qualify for the Rooney rule. But I think he's going to be a legit, just the same as Steve Wilkes, you know, like a one-year wonder kind of meteoric rise he's definitely getting interviews i just don't know based on what you're telling me about this depth up front i'm a little worried about the secondary i don't know if the pieces are in place to have a top 10 defense this year what are your expectations i think we're going to have a solid defense because we basically always do with rivera um and rivera is very good at like papering over the weaknesses and mitigating them as much as we can uh at the end of the day uh you know it's going to hinge on whether or not Bradbury can bounce back to his rookie form. If he can do that, I think we're going to be because uh, I, I think Jackson is going to be a good player that has an impact right away. Um, safety sucks. It just does. Anyone who tries to convince you otherwise is fooling themselves. Um, but at the same time, you know, you've got Thomas Davis, you've got Luke Keekley, you've got right. Jack Thompson. Those guys are so good. They cover up a lot of our safety problems. Yeah, and, you know, I didn't even mention them because they're just so rock solid. And I think that, you know, they do act like safeties and cover – all of them can cover tight ends if need be and, and running back split out. So that's definitely the strength of your defense still. Well, yeah, and you've seen, uh, like – you've seen Keekley go down and cover Julio Jones. Like, he's just that good. Uh, and, and Shaq Thompson, somebody, you know, who played all over the field in, in college too. And I think he could continue to get better and better, especially with mentors like that. Shaq is my breakout candidate for the defense. Um, he yeah, has really been kind great. of stuck behind Thomas Davis for a long time. And now with Davis being suspended to start the season and the fact that the coaching staff wanted to get him more involved anyway, I think you're really going to see him come into his own and really take hold and, and hang on to that, that linebacker two job. Yeah. And, and it's become a league where it's hard to play three linebackers. Yeah. You know, heavy snaps. It so practically never did. Like it's criminal how little Shaq Thompson's been last two years well that, that's a great breakout candidate and especially i could see him racking up a lot of tackles um overall 
what do you what do you project for this team? I saw in your offseason like preview and, and set that you did officially for Reddit. You had a great preview that people should read, and you projected nine and seven back then. Do you still stand by that, or do you think things have changed with these injuries? I think eight, eight, nine, seven is still kind of where I see us. Like the schedule is really not difficult this year. Um, who which division do you guys play outside of your own? What are the we have NFC East this year? That's tough. It's not easy. Uh, it is. I don't know. I'm. I'm not. You look at us next to some of the other teams in that division. Like I think the Giants. I, I think there's a pretty fair case that we're better than the Giants right now. No, Giants. I, Giants fans are talking themselves into it. They're they're going to be bad again. <laughs> Good luck with that, fellas. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'll I, say that. That's one of the few teams I feel confident. So many teams can go different ways, and I think Carolina is one of them. Oh yeah. Like I, I, I say don't every see single year going into a season. Like I could see us being a five win team or a fourteen win team. Like I could. Well, and you guys go back and forth. So it, honestly, like coming into this, talking to you, I, I feel a little better. I originally pegged them. Carolina as an overall prediction of like seven and nine. I just wasn't sure about this defense. You know, I think at the end of the day, I I worry about Cam Newton. I think he's a good quarterback, but when you do have certain holes on your roster, it's, it's not easy to make the playoffs every year unless your quarterback is an elite, elite quarterback who's performing like that year after year. And the last couple of years haven't, haven't been at that level and you know maybe these new weapons opening the field will help him get back to that but i kind of want to wait and see it before i believe it so right now i think seven and nine eight and eight i i am not bullish on their chances of making the i'm not super bullish either i i think this season for us is going to be a proof of concept season like i think I think we're going to prove that there's some real potential in the North Turner offense. I think we're going to prove that, you know, mixing man coverage into our looks is a good idea. And it's something that we can succeed in doing, but we don't quite have the personnel to pull it all off. And it's just going to take a while for some of these new ideas to gel anyway. So I think you're going to see some ups and downs this year. Um, I don't necessarily think we're a contender this season, but I think like, you know, we set a solid foundation in place really expand on into next season and that's where you're going to see us really kind of yeah and i think that's it the optimistic way to approach this and, and the realistic way to approach this is the realistic way to approach this is it's going to be next year yeah that that's everything's that's going to coalesce christian mccaffrey will continue to break out dj moore will break out by year two the optimistic half glass full might be rushing it i don't see it all clicking into place this year like you said but you know credit to the system it's like you trust the system on defense that has produced without with limited talent coaching wise ron rivera i think it's an underrated part of coaching is hiring assistants and developing your assistants and he's done a really good job of that and in developing the players he's done a really good job of that too i mean he's he's very good at developing everyone i feel like rivera's biggest strength as a coach is that he rises he makes the boats rise he has always performed – he's done more with less basically his entire career here. And I, I think the fans that are happy with him really just don't understand what a valuable asset that is to a team. And it is hard. I mean, unless you have a dominant offense and a consistently dominant offense, it's hard to make the playoffs every year. And so you might be in that boat where it's an every other year kind of situation and hopefully the defense tilts back around to being a dominant unit and the offense opens up and you guys can be – not only in the playoffs, maybe next year, but a real contender too. And I think you have that potential. Cam's still young enough. If the offense clicks by year two, 
you know, it could be a top 15, top 10 unit. And then, and then you really have that title potential again, but you're saying we're taking it from the horse's mouth, modest expectations this year, eight and eight, nine and seven. I'm saying maybe seven and nine, but keep your season tickets, keep your jerseys and then hope next year's a little brighter than this. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think everybody in the fan base would agree that we just want a winning season. <laughs> we just want and you've had, you've had a little <laughs> He could be Cleveland, but no, I really appreciate it. And you, and you, if people, anyone who's listening, which is probably like six people at most, they know who you are. You do a great job of recapping Carolina and everyone on Reddit. And that's why I wanted to talk to you today. It's such a great community for fans who know that they're not professional writers. No one's claiming to be an expert, but people who want to discuss it in a higher level way than the average fan or your friends might know. And so you've done a really good job talking us through this roster. I feel like I know a little bit more about Carolina and we'll see what happens. It's exciting. It's a time. There's a great time of year. Everyone looks pretty good on paper. So we have to see how it all shakes out. Yep. Yep. It's just going to have to see how everything fits in with the new system and the new ideas we want to put in place. And, you know, um, it's either, I don't think it fails, but I also don't think you see runaway success right away either. So. Yeah. Well, you're, you're a little too practical for a fan. I, you might have to get stripped <laughs> of your fan card, but I appreciate the wisdom. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. No, thank really you for taking really the time. This is really All right, dude, take care. Have a good day. You too. Hey everyone, that was it. That was our interview with Blind Willie, who was very generous with his time and helped us understand the Panthers a little bit better. And so if you've actually reached this far, I really want to congratulate you for getting through it. Um, This is a new endeavor for myself, so I'm sure the audio wasn't great. I'll continue to work on that. Uh, Listening to it back, my voice is not great, not meant for radio. Kind of whiny and annoying. I know you could save those comments. I'm not Don Draper. I'm sorry, I'll work on that. But in the future, thanks so much for listening. I hope we can do it again if more than two or three people listen to it. I think my parents are a maybe right now. So if we get one or two more, then we're good to go. Anyway, thanks so much, guys. Take care.